Well, hello, everyone. This is Corey Baker, and you are listening to the Chasing Better podcast. This is a podcast that is dedicated to helping you become the best version of yourself. And we are so honored that you are here with us today and hope to do just that, to be able to help you to shorten that gap between the person that you are and the person that you are longing to be. And today I'm really, really excited because I have a good friend and a guest that is going to be joining me to have a little bit of a discussion about entrepreneurship, what it means to be one and how to get that message out. I think this is a a fun time to be alive and we have so many people that are starting businesses, at-home businesses, different types of things and there just seems to be this um, more of a desire to be your own boss and uh, I'm excited because this guy has really helped my wife and I to build the business that we have and expand our horizons and think differently about how we get that word out. And I'm blessed today to be able to invite on my friend Scott Aaron. Scott is a, he's an author. Uh, he travels and speaks often. He's a business coach. Uh, he is an uh, expert uh, on utilizing the amazing platform that is LinkedIn and uh, I'm sure many other things, but uh, that's the Cliff Notes version. So, Scott, we are so glad to have you with us on the podcast today, and uh, let's add some value. Absolutely, and, and again, just you know, really grateful for, for you and Julie so much, not only for having the ability to work closely with you, but obviously to have you on my podcast and, and now having the ability to be on yours. Just really grateful for you and this opportunity. Yeah, man. Well, well, I, I love that too. That was a great interview that we were able to do. And uh, now today, uh, returning that favor is, is a real treat for me. So um, we'll get into some content here in a second. But before we do, maybe just give everybody just a little bit about your story so that people have an idea of who they're listening to. And uh, especially as it relates to the entrepreneur space, it seems like you're someone, it doesn't seem like I know, that uh, you're someone that's been in business for quite some time and you've had some shifts in terms of pro uh, focus and priority. So maybe just give us a little bit of your story and uh, we'll get into it from there. Absolutely. So this is the extreme cliff notes version. I, I sometimes do 60 to 90 minute keynotes just on my story. So I'm going to really, really uh, narrow this down so you guys can get an idea of who I am. So I, I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. I always tell people that I've been psychologically unemployable since day one and it was unintentional. When, uh, when I was 18 and going into my sophomore year of college at the University of Pittsburgh, my father, who has and still is been an entrepreneur his entire life, sold uh, his partnership and started to work for someone else. And it was, a, it was a, an organization that focused on physical rehabilitation. And it was kind of weird for me because he was working for someone else and Outside looking in, everything looked and seemed great. And about six months in, he pulled myself and my family aside, my sister and mother, and said that there were some things going on and he was going to be leaving that company and obviously going to be purchasing a gym that was failing in downtown Philadelphia with the help of my two grandfathers. We didn't know why, but we quickly came to learn why. And that was because there was a $9.5 million insurance fraud case against this company that my dad was working for, and he was heavily involved in being investigated. And long story short, 
a year after he notified us of that, my father was sentenced to 24 to 36 months in federal prison. And this was my introduction into entrepreneurship. At uh, 19, I was thrusted into an adult role as a teenager and had to take over the gym. And for those that, that may follow me or see me now, uh, I was not always a picture of health. I was always an athlete, but I was more of a hippie back in the day. I used to follow a band called Fish Around the Country. I had a big Jufro and just kind of had a, a really nice time. But I, I jokingly tell people that the hair came off and the patchwork pants went away, the Birkenstocks went in the closet, and I had to step into this role of, of running an organization. And it was probably the best learning experience I ever got because I was, I was forced to look at myself in the mirror at a very young age, but also I had to grow up quickly, but realize that, you know, we're always dealt hands in our life that sometimes work in our favor and maybe don't seem that great at the time, but looking back, they were monumental. And this was my monumental moment because I ended up falling in love, not just in health and wellness, not just in personal training and sports nutrition, but entrepreneurship, being my own boss. And this was back in 1997, 98. So this, the industry of health and wellness has completely changed in the last 20, 25 years. There was really no internet. There was no social media at this time. You know, this was literally you grassroots growing a business. And in the two and a half years that my father was away, I grew the gym from about three to 400 members to nearly 1,100. And when he came back, we opened up a second location in 2002. And in 2003, we were offered a million dollars by another family to buy both of our locations, which we took the offer. And I became a millionaire at 24 years old. I didn't really know what that meant at the time, but we just personal trained for about the next year, year and a half. And my dad got the itch to open up another gym, which we did. But because of his background and you know the things that he had gone through, he had no credit. My mom had no credit, but I did. So the new gym was completely put in my name which I didn't realize it at the time, but two and a half years later, I found myself in $1.5 million of liability debt. So I was then faced with another challenge. I pushed harder, grew the third gym, eventually started to come out of this debt. And I found network marketing in, in 2013 at a very impactful time in my life. I was soon to be exiting my, my second marriage, which uh, ended, but also blessed me with a beautiful now seven-year-old little boy. But also, I needed to do something different with my life. I was struggling you know, mentally, uh, business-wise. I just wasn't happy. But network marketing gave me that avenue to really hit the ground running with something new. There was a fire lit under me, Corey, that hadn't been lit in years. And I hit the ground running in two years. I was able to create enough residual income that matched my full-time income that I was making as a trainer. But also, you know, as they say, this is a personal development journey with a compensation plan attached to it. Right. So I became more aware of my surroundings. I did some more digging. But what spurred that was when I was going to sell a property in 2015, when I was at closing, I had about $35,000 worth of equity in the house, but I had a check slid over to me that was only $837. And the reason for that is what I didn't know is that I had signed some documents that I was told to sign that had my house uses at, as collateral for the gym's equipment, which means when I sold the property, whatever money was left on the gym's equipment, 
paid it off. So right. I basically paid off the gym's equipment. Then I dug even more and found out the scariest thing in this whole thing was I was the personal guarantor on the lease of this gym. And for those that don't know what that means when you own a business, I was the guarantor of the lease, which means if that business went under, whatever dollar was still owed on that gym was going to be turned over to me personally. And at that time, it was about $450,000. That led me to break, breaking partnership with my father. Things are repaired and final. I always forgive. And he's living his life. I'm living mine. And we are back to father and son, which is the way it's always supposed to be. And then in 2016, in July, I was faced with one last decision. And that was to actually decide what I wanted to do with this gym. I was losing about $2,000 a month. And my lawyer said, you have two options. You can continue to scratch and claw, or you can file for personal bankruptcy to get this monkey off your back. And it was a slam dunk decision. On July 1st of 2016, I filed for personal bankruptcy. And on July 31st, I closed the gym for good. Now, a little backstory. In February of 2016, I started to really hit the ground running hard with my network marketing opportunity using LinkedIn because I was getting tired of all of the the way that I was being pulled, pulled away from people on Facebook and Instagram, I wasn't, my connection is my, it's one of my core values. I love, yeah, I love you on your, your LinkedIn profile. It says you're a human connector. I love that title. I'm, I'm, the, I'm a human connection expert. That's what I love doing. And, and when I, when I got onto LinkedIn, I didn't know how to use it. I changed my profile around, but I remember one of my first mentors saying something to me really interesting. She said, Scott, you need to look at yourself in the mirror and you need to ask yourself, how am I going to recruit me today? And I'm like, boom, that's it. I was making the business a secondary conversation and my products the primary, so I reversed it. I said, you know what? What if I make the business the primary and the products the secondary? But where can I do that? So I went to this business-minded platform, this network-minded platform of LinkedIn, started messaging other trainers, other nutritionists, other gym owners, and people started responding. And I was booking five calls a week, 10, 15, 20, 40 calls in a week. I still have about 20 to 25 calls every single week now. That's awesome. Four, four years later. So I started enrolling people and I reached out to a friend of mine in the industry and I said, Joey, you got to get on LinkedIn, do this to your profile, send a message like this and let me know what happens. A week later, he texted me. He said, call me. So I did. Got him on the phone and I said, what's up? He goes, dude, whatever you're doing, it works. He goes, I have 14 calls booked this week. And I was like, whoa. And he goes, you got to teach this. He goes, you got something here. You can really help this industry. So I went on a podcast. It was a live call. And I just shared what I knew at the time about LinkedIn four years ago. When I got off that call, I went on to Facebook. I had nine inboxes of people wanting to hire me. Now, for what? I had no clue because I was just sharing what I knew. But that was the birth of my coaching practice in February of 2016. So organically, it just happened. So I had this thriving coaching practice. I had this thriving network marketing business and this gym that was obviously holding me back. And when I made that decision to file for bankruptcy, and when I woke up on August 1st of 2016, the day after I closed that gym, and I realized that I was finally able to step into my power on my passion as a full-time entrepreneur building my own dreams through the means of network marketing and LinkedIn, my life has been a rocket ship ever since. Well, that, that's just awesome. I love the story. And, and obviously there's so much that we could dive into there um, really to, to kind of diagnose. But 
you know, I love that your story has some highs and some lows. It has some victories. It has some pain points and everything in between. And it's brought you to where you are now. And I know you speak passionately about the LinkedIn platform, which honestly, I haven't really used up until recently that you've helped us a lot with. And we've already seen some pretty great results. And, you know, just like anything else, it takes time to, uh, to build, but we are definitely in action, having a lot of conversation. Um, I want to talk about just what this idea of entrepreneur is, because you, you talked about being an entrepreneur at, for you since the age of, of 19. What is it about today's age? It seems like there's a lot of people that have this desire to uh, be an entrepreneur, work from home, have a side hustle. Um, why is it that it's, you know, it's always, it's always challenging, but why is it so much easier in 2019 than it was when uh, you were 19? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's so much easier. I would just say that there's more resources now available than ever before. And, you know, one of my, one of my superpowers is being resourceful. So every single person, whether you're working for a company, working for yourself, or you have a side hustle, whatever it is, we're all given the same odds to succeed. Right. But there's, there's one defining factor that makes you succeed or not, and that's your failure quotient. So I was always willing and still am to fail as often as I can to learn how to succeed because there are so many resources available to us. When, I mean, you could just Google anything you want and you can start a business from scratch. And I'll give you a perfect example. My fiance, who's an incredible entrepreneur, has multiple businesses. She was a mid-level team executive for Target and Apple. And she did not like the work-life balance. And she was on Reddit, which is a great blog. And she was reading this article about this guy that was sick of his work-life balance and started a residential house cleaning business from his phone. She read it, she was inspired by it, and she put in her two weeks notice a week later. And from that point, a year and a half later, she had a, a $150,000 a year remote business that she was running from her phone because of the resources that are then available but you have to take action on that. And why so many people are so into entrepreneurship, and Gary Vaynerchuk used to joke about this. He said, basically, everyone's calling themselves an entrepreneur, which means they don't have a job and they live in their parents' basement. Right. And, but my, my true belief is this. The best entrepreneurs are the ones that are creating something that solve a growing problem that a lot of people have. And th that looks different to each person, whether they have a drop shipping something or a, an, a residential house cleaning business for someone's phones, doing something what I do, doing something what you do. The only way that people actually will now fail in entrepreneurship is if you quit. Right. You just have to be resourceful and try to find other ways. So there has never been, like you said earlier, a better time to be an entrepreneur than right now. You just have to hustle your ass off to make it happen. And you know what, between you and me, Corey, you got to have the grit. You have to have the determination, but you also have to have the vision of what you want to create. Because so, when you have that, when you have that clarity, it's game over. Yeah. There's a book that you 
actually encouraged me to read that I've now purchased about 30 copies of and given it out to people. And it's called go for no. Mm. Um, and that book really helped a lot. I feel like, you know, when, when you look at the, and here's the deal, any, any company that's involved with uh, network marketing, I know not, not everybody that listens to this is involved with that or direct sales. You know, you can lump all those into one. And I know that every one of those companies says they're unique and they probably are, but anyone that is in that kind of space, I would guess that there's far more people that don't succeed than do. Uh, that doesn't mean that, uh, that there are some that uh, are just better. I, I think it just, you know, there, there's several reasons why that is, but I think one of them is because a lot of people just don't have a high capacity of dealing with rejection, dealing with uh, the person that said they were going to do it and then they don't. Um, and they just, they, they just get discouraged really, really easily. And they do what you just mentioned, which is, um, which is quit. So why is that such a key? Even not, not just even in direct sales or even in network marketing, but also just in, in entrepreneurship as a whole. Why is it so important to develop that grit and to have that go for no mindset? And maybe just expound a little bit about what that go for no mindset even is. Well, it's funny because as I was hopping onto LinkedIn four years ago, I, I happened to be reading this book, Go For No, by Andrea Waltz and Richard Fenton. And it's so funny, Andrea and I, the co-author, have actually become friends in the last six months uh, via LinkedIn. And we've spoken multiple times and we're actually in collaborations on some things right now because you know, she knows how much I love what her and Richard did. But when I was reading this book and how it teaches you the notion that you have to have a no quotient instead of a yes quotient. And I don't, again, like you said, I don't care what business you're in. You can be in direct sales, network marketing, you know, brick and mortar. You can work for someone else, sales, whatever it is. When you realize that no, the no leads to a yes, that's everything. Because people are so focused on getting yeses that they are so emotionally disappointed because, oh my God, this person, you know, they didn't say yes, they said no to me. They take it too personally. But I love no, because when you can, and, and this is the reverse psychology, just imagine this for a second. I'm just going to use network marketing as an example. If someone was to come to me and say, Scott, listen, I want to, I want to enroll one new person a week. I would say, you know, great. You know, how many yeses do you want? They would say, you know, I, I want two yeses. Okay, great. So Monday, that person has three calls. First call, they get a yes. Second call, they get a no. Third call, they get a yes. Ding, ding, ding. They hit their goal. But guess what happens? They take their foot off the gas the rest of the week because psychologically, they've already hit their goal, so they don't have to work as hard. So what I teach people is to do the reverse. And I ask them, I don't want to know how many yeses you want each week. I want to know how many no's you want. So that same person says, you know what, Scott? I want 20 no's per week which means they got to get on the phone with 20 people. This is a numbers game. So that same person that told me they want 20 no's has those same three calls. First person says yes. Second person says no. Third person says yes. Guess what? They still have enrolled those two people, but they are 19 no's short for the rest of the week. So Corey, what do you think is going to happen as that week progresses and they get more no's? We're going to get more yeses. So when people realize that the pathway to yes 
is the road of no. And, and I love what the book says. It says yes is your destination, but no is how you get there. You can apply that to any business. And just like I said earlier, it is game over. So when you fall in love with the word no, the yeses start to show up. Yeah. And that's a, that's such a key thing too. And, you know, ultimately I think reason, the reason that people have a tough time with this is because we indeed take things a little bit personal and have a tough time separating that, realizing that people aren't necessarily what I've learned is that people aren't saying no to me in many ways. They're saying no um, to themselves. I think, you know, one of the things that you've even taught me that you've, you know, I've asked you probably 10 questions about, Hey, what do I say to this person? And you always respond the same, which is like four different lines, four different letters, N E X T, which is, Hey, it's, it's really just about next. You got to stop analyzing every situation. And, you know, I did a podcast a few uh, weeks ago about frantically searching for your tribe. And that's, I feel like what this is, you know, we're, we're in a frantic search to discover who our tribe is. And the only way to find who your tribe is, is you're going to find some people that aren't a part of that. And that's just part of it. And, and, and a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of people tend to struggle with that. So if you're kind of now talking to someone that has started a business and they're trying to get the word out and they're using the social media platforms, why is LinkedIn such a great place to do that? And why should be people be on LinkedIn for whatever business you're in? Why should people be on LinkedIn, uh, you know, and, and putting a lot of headspace in there? Because I'll be honest, I mean, I remember a couple of months ago, I did this forum thing and all these people were talking about LinkedIn and I had known nothing about it. And I was like, well, I'll talk about Facebook. And people were like, is Facebook still a thing? We've built our business almost exclusively on Facebook. So I'm coming at this from a person that's almost relatively new to LinkedIn. You've helped me. Lots of people are on Facebook. Tons of people are on Instagram. They're not on LinkedIn. Why aren't they? And why should they be? Well, if it's never been talked about them, they're never going to do it. And it's one of those things where it's so socially acceptable to be on a personal platform like Instagram and Facebook. And I always tell people, I'm not going to try to convince you to get off of Facebook and Instagram. You, got, you have to be omnipresent on all platforms. But what I am going to tell you is something that my mom still tells me today. She, she always says, Scott, facts are friendly. So when I always, and if I, I'm speaking live at an event or if I'm doing an online training or even coaching my clients like you and your wife, I'll tell you exactly why you need to be on LinkedIn. And for me, there's a multitude of things, but I'm, I'm going to cover the basics. There's three things that I always look at and I've always looked at when I want to learn what I should do and, and where my time and energy needs to be spent. Now, specifically with social media, and if you're just starting your business or if you're looking to grow your business, whatever it is, there's three things that you need to look for. Number one is the size of the network that you can grow. Because Gary Vee says this, he goes, your net worth is in direct correlation to your network. So you got a small network, you're going to have a small net worth. You got a large network, you have the potential for a large net worth. Number two is the age demographic. You know, depending upon how old you are, you need to be where the people that are most close to your age are. And finally, number three is the average income. Now more than ever, money mindset is everything. Talking to people that, that, that don't have good money mindset, they have a week-to-week -week monetary mindset, they have a broke mindset, uh, money doesn't grow on trees mindset, money is dirty mindset. 
they're not going to be right for your business and your brand. So Facebook and Instagram have mirror demographics. The average age of someone on those platforms on average is 18 to 29 with a yearly income of $30,000 a year or less. But also, you're only allowed 5,000 friends on Facebook, which is not enough to build a successful business. But also, Instagram has the highest rate of fake accounts to real accounts. Right. And if people didn't know this, but they're actually doing a test in six different countries and the U.S. is next, they're actually going to be disabling likes and views to see if people actually change the way of how they post because they're getting a little bit disheartened with all of the sports bras, yoga pants, and tushies that are being posted on the platform. Then you look at LinkedIn. Average age, 30 to 55. Average income is $100,000 a year or more, and you're allowed 30,000 connections. And I personally have grown my network in the last three and a half plus years from about 500 to nearly 27,000 organically. And that has led to the growth in all of my business. But this, when you have the right kind of network of the right kind of people where you're having the right kind of conversations, it's going to lead to the right kind of business growth. And there was a, 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 a third party study done that was focusing on organic lead generation because Corey, you and I both know there's a lot of people spending a lot of money on Facebook ads, Instagram ads, all that stuff. And I don't believe in paying for people. Human connection should be free. And that's why I love LinkedIn because it's free to connect on that. And there was this third party that did a six month study of organic lead generation from Facebook to Instagram, uh, to LinkedIn. At the end of those six months, they found that LinkedIn was 277% more effective for lead generation than Facebook. And that said everything to me. And most recently, They've also said that right now, as you guys are listening to this, LinkedIn is having a Facebook 2012 moment, which if you remember Facebook back in the day, engagement was high, reach was high, visibility was high. And it's gotten less over the years, but not LinkedIn. LinkedIn is on the rise right now. Organic reach has never been higher. Visibility has never been more grossly underpriced than it is right now. So if someone is looking to have the amount of conversations required to push that needle forward to really achieve what they want in their business, you're going to have to get on LinkedIn right away because I tell people all the time, you are leaving hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars left on the table if you're not using this platform. So, you know, I'm going to ask you one more thing. And, and bef but before you do, I think one thing that I've always told our crew is that you know, there, there is no magic unicorn. I think sometimes people look at it. It's funny, you know, we'll have people that do like bridal shows and they're like, that's what I'm missing in my business, bridal shows. And the truth is, you're, it, no, you need to talk to people. Like you need to get out there, you need to grow your network and you need to talk to people. There's not one missing thing. And I think to, to some degree too, like LinkedIn, yes, it's a, it's a great platform, but there is no, um, there, there is no, um, trade-off for action. Like when you're on LinkedIn, you are in action and you are hustling. When you are on Facebook, it's the exact same thing. LinkedIn is just another way to do that. If you are not willing to be told no a lot and you are not willing to get into action and not willing to grow your network, LinkedIn is not going to be some magic thing that's going to grow your business. Um, and that's just kind of one of the things I've learned. Yeah, it's, it's, it's slow and steady wins the race. 
the, the one thing I always tell people, it's the tortoise and the hare. You know, LinkedIn is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And Usain Bolt is arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, short track runners in track and field history. And you can take him and you can put him in any marathon race. He will lose every single time. He's built for speed, not distance. So what you, if you conceptually start to look at LinkedIn like a 401k instead of a lottery ticket, you are going to get massive results. Because a 401k, if you think about it, you make those weekly, monthly deposits of money that compounded over time create your wealth. You're not running to the local gas station to get some scratch-offs to try to hit it big. And if you're looking for a get-rich-quick thing, you're going to be greatly disappointed no matter what platform you're using. But if you use the mentality of that, if you use the mentality of what you're doing is like a 401k, you're willing to take that time, the energy, and the effort to make those daily deposits, leaving people better, providing value, solutions, hope, faith, and all of those things, you will get back exactly what you give out. 100%. I think the secret to this business that I've learned is that you have to have a long-term outlook with short-term urgency. Um, it's, it's about that 401k idea. It's about what I'm creating for the future, but at the same token, deadlines are a good thing. And we, you know, I, I listened to uh, Ed Milet a few weeks ago, and he was talking about how one of the biggest problems he sees with people is that they're not in enough hurry. They are not in a big enough hurry to grow their business. They just kind of think, well, it'll grow in time, but they're not putting in the action necessary to make it grow. So last thing would be uh, if, if a person is, you know, just wanting to kind of um, get the, kick the tires a little bit on, on LinkedIn, they don't have a LinkedIn account or they do, but they never use it. Um, what are some ways that you can help them uh, to really begin to utilize this program? Yeah, I have a ton of free resources. So if someone was to go to my, my website, www.scotterron.net, you can click on uh, my products tab and you'll see a free infographic which will help you optimize your profile. I've worked with a lot of people that have had no profile, no account, and they've opened it and they've hit the ground running. That is absolutely free. I also have a, a number one best-selling book on Amazon that you can download for Kindle or paperback. Paperback, it's 14 bucks. Kindle, it's $3.99. If you happen to have Kindle Unlimited, it's absolutely free. It's called the LinkedIn book for network marketing. I have a couple other companion books that are coming out in early 2020 uh, to go along with that. And I also do uh, free 15-minute discovery calls so I can, I can learn more about you and your business, and that can be scheduled on there as well. And I also have a top podcast. It's called Network Marketing Made Simple. And it's, it's not just for network marketers. That's my niche, but I work with a lot of businesses and organizations as well. And you can find that podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and I do two episodes a week. One's an interview, just like I did with Corey, and, and I also do educational ones once a week. So there's a ton of free resources, and obviously on social media, Scott Aaron on Facebook, Scott Aaron on LinkedIn, and on Instagram, I am at Scott Aaron LinkedIn. So I love connecting with my audience. I love getting feedback from people, and you know, I'm just in that, that servant mindset right now where I want to help as many people as possible achieve the life that they deserve. 
Well, Scott, thank you so much for jumping on and sharing a few thoughts with us. This has been very thought provoking and hope it's added value to a lot of people. And uh, I, I hope to uh, uh, be able to introduce you to some people that you can help in the future. Absolutely. Corey, again, you know, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. And, you know, I'd love to hear back from your audience and just thank you again for this opportunity. Well, everybody, this has been the Chasing Better podcast. As always, our goal is to add value to you, helping you to daily become the best version of you. Uh, love to have you share the podcast. This is Chasing Better. And uh, you can go find us on all the platforms on iTunes, on Google, on Spotify. Uh, tell somebody about it. Uh, there's obviously been lots of different things we've discussed over the past several weeks, and we will continue on a weekly basis to continue to add more value. Until then, have a fantastic rest of your day, and we will see you again next time right here on the Chasing Better podcast.